So in a small town, there lived two brothers. All of their lives, these two brothers went around doing horrible things. They did things that ranged from vandalism to stealing to assault, etc. You name it, these boys were just plain out trouble. Well, one day, one of the brothers passes away, and the older brother goes to the preacher to arrange his funeral, and he asks the preacher for a favor. He said, Pastor, for my brother's funeral, can you do me just one favor? The pastor said, sure, just tell me what you need. He said, well, I, I really don't want my brother to be remembered as a bad man. I would really appreciate it if you would call my brother a saint in your sermon. Preacher thought about it for a little bit, and he says, sure, I can do that. Well, the word began to spread throughout this small community like wildfire that this preacher was going to call this man that was nothing but trouble, practically the worst person in the town's history, going to call him a saint. So the day of the funeral came, and the people were literally lying down at the door to hear what this preacher was going to say about this man. So the preacher steps up to the podium, and he begins. He says, ladies and gentlemen, we're gathered here today to mourn the most wicked, the most hateful, possibly the worst person I've ever met in my life. However, compared to his brother sitting there in the front row, he was a saint. <laughs> well, there you go. Be careful what you ask the preacher for, your joke of the day. Well, let's get started. We've been in a series um, we've been calling Set Free for the past several weeks, actually for much of the summer. Can you believe that summer is coming to a close and we're going to be having school back in session, all that stuff? It just went so fast. We're going to be actually wrapping this series up over the next couple weeks, but in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, we read these well-known words spoken by God. Here is what it says. It says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If you've been a Christian for any short, any, any amount of time, I'm sure that you have probably heard these words spoken before, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Spirit of God plays a crucial part in you being set free. The problem is, many people resist the Holy Spirit's work in their lives because for many of us, if we're just being honest, when we hear the words Holy Spirit mentioned, two words instantly come to mind. Spooky and weird. And... Some of that is because of that's what we have been taught, but there's also no shortage of videos on the internet of people doing extremely weird things and attaching it to the work of the Holy Spirit. I was going to show a video clip to prove my point, but I decided against it. There's, there's thousands of videos, you just have to Google search it. And people see this stuff, and I've heard this so many times over the years, and they see this stuff and they say, yeah, pastor, I, don't, I just don't want any part of that. If that's what the Holy Spirit is, I'm just going to stay away from all of that stuff. No thank you. And so what they do is they stay far away from the one that has the power to set them free. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Today, we're going to be answering the question, 
Who is the Holy Spirit? And we're going to lay a foundation. And then next we're going to be talking about the baptism or the gift in the Holy Spirit that God has promised to his followers. It's a many, it's a gift, a great gift that many of us run from because again, the weird things that they have been taught or they have seen people do. Let me just say this. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. It's not the Holy Spirit making them weird. I guarantee you they were weird before the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not spooky. People are spooky. Let's just be real. So you have to be careful that just because someone is acting weird and blaming it on the Holy Spirit, there is a chance and more than likely a good chance that the Holy Spirit might not be involved at all. Now, God can do whatever He wants, but what I have found, and I've been doing this a long time now, is usually when people are acting like that or they're doing something like that, what they're really trying to do is put the attention on themselves. Some people, thank you, some people like to have the spotlight. And I could go a lot deeper, but that's not the topic of this message. I could talk to you for a whole message on leaders pushing people down because some people honestly believe that God isn't moving unless people are laying all over the floor after the service. I used to believe that as well, 100%. That's what I was taught. People aren't laying on the ground. The Holy Spirit didn't show up. But then I started to see stuff. I started to see some fake stuff. I didn't just hear about this. I'm not just, this isn't some conspiracy that I heard about. I seen it with my own two eyes. I was behind the scenes on some of this stuff. I seen it. And again, I could do a whole message on it. Things are fabricated. Things are fabricated to make the speaker, listen to me, to make the speaker appear more anointed because if people are laying all over the floor, then surely the Holy Ghost showed up And we got to book that guy back for more meetings, and then there's more money involved, and I've seen this stuff. And I've always said God can do what he wants, but I want to make sure it's God. I'm not about to start fabricating stuff so Pastor Matt looks more anointed. That's just not the way I roll. God can do whatever he wants. And I have seen God powerfully touch and change lives in services like that where things are being fabricated because despite all of that, God is still God and he loves people. I received this note a few weeks ago. I love getting things like this. I hang on to them because they they encourage me more than anything. They really do. This note says, I'm a different person now that God has changed my life. I'm going to lay my problems on the altar today. In Jesus' name, I'm over it. I'm done with the ways of the world. I am whole. Thank you, God. Notes like that changed my life, and I want you to see that because that is transformed by the power of God, transformed by the Holy Spirit. Nothing weird happened that day, unless, of course, you think I'm weird, and then that's a different story. But it was just this individual and an encounter with God. They encountered God and they will never forget that encounter. So the Holy Spirit's not weird. The Holy Spirit's not spooky. Don't let the actions of a few other people keep you from experiencing the freedom that God gives us through the work of the Holy Spirit. So with that being said, who is the Holy Spirit? In John chapters 14 through 16, there's a conversation that takes place between Jesus and his followers. 
that most theologians believe would have happened in the last 12 hours of Jesus' life. So these chapters record some of the last words spoken from Jesus to his followers before he goes to the cross. The main point he's trying to make is the fact that he's going to be going away from them. He's going to physically leave them. With that being said, he tells them not to be troubled because when he leaves, he is going to send someone else in his place. He then introduces them to the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to John chapter 14 and verse 16. We're going to be going through a lot of different scriptures today. You can also follow along up on the screens. If you want the notes, they are available in the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't know how to download that, there's instructions for that at the hub. You can pick that up later. But all the notes for today's message are in there. John chapter 14 and verse 16. This is Jesus speaking here, and this is what he says. This is our key scripture. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Not for a season, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ I ask for your anointing, God. I need your anointing. Without your anointing, God, these words will fall flat. They will do nothing. But God, if you anoint these words, they will change the hearts and lives of your people because that's what your word does. And so, Father, I thank you for your anointing today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is telling his followers, guys, I'm going to leave you. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to ask the Father to send someone else that's going to help you walk through life. Notice Jesus uses the word him when he's describing this helper. This is important. The Bible never refers to the Holy Spirit as an it. Jesus doesn't say it will dwell in you. He says he will dwell in you. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. Because He is a person, we have the opportunity to have a, a relationship, a personal relationship with Him. The Holy Spirit's not this mysterious thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit wants to dwell in us. This is known as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is what we're talking about today. Different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people don't understand the difference between these two, so there's a lot of confusion. And so for the next couple, couple messages in this sermon series, we're going to break this down. John chapter 14 and verse 25. Jesus speaking again. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, there's that word of, again, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit will help us follow truth. Jesus said the truth would set us free. Now look at, John, now look at chapter 15 and verse 26, John 15, 26. But when the helper, there's that word again, comes... Whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And then look at the next chapter, John 16 and verse 7. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, now watch this, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We're going to break this down a little bit. Verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So Jesus is telling them, there's much more you guys need to know, but now's not the time to reveal those to you. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority But whatever he hears, he will speak. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will speak to you and I. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine, and he will declare it to you. All the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit is sent It's a gift to you and I to help us, or He's a gift to you and I to help us as believers. He helps us by speaking to us, giving us direction in our life. Have you ever had to make a decision and you have this strong feeling in the pit of your stomach that you're making a bad decision, but in your head it makes sense, so you do it anyway and you realize later that it was indeed a bad decision? Practically speaking, the way it feels for me is it feels like there's a piece of steel wool in my stomach. It just doesn't feel right. Or you have to make a hard decision. And even though it might not be a popular decision, you have this strong feeling of peace. That's the Holy Spirit. I remember when I felt like God was telling me to start the food pantry seven days a week when COVID started. It didn't make any sense on paper. I've told this before. We probably had food for maybe two days if we were lucky. And I felt like God was telling me, I, need, I want you to start running that thing seven days a week to feed the community. It made no sense. Frankly, it scared me a bit. But I remember having such a peace when I made that decision. Not because I had all the answers, because I didn't have any answers. But I had a peace within me to know that God would somehow take care of it. And look at what He has done. And by the way, we just had a large walk-in cooler donated to us to store food in. We just picked it up last Saturday. We're going to show you a picture. It's not put together yet. That's the pre-assembled state. But I'm telling you, that's a game changer, especially for our poor volunteers that are, uh, that are constantly moving food in and out of our refrigerators. We've just been faithful with what he's given, given us, and now he's blessing us with more. That was a true miracle. I was praying for one of those. I didn't know where we was going to put it, but I wasn't going to turn it down. But if you don't have a peace, listen to me. That's a warning sign to stop going in the direction you're going. If you do have peace, that's a sign to keep going in the direction you're going. That is the role of the Holy Spirit to help you, to guide you. Just recently, 
We submitted an offer on our, uh, for our Teen Challenge ministry here in Green Bay. The offer was accepted, so now we have an official location locked up for our very own Teen Center. Isn't that something? Teen Challenge Center. It's a men's program. We're going to help men get off of drugs and alcohol and get them free and set free from addiction. I'm telling you what, but we have a building now. We're ready to move forward. It's a great building. It's just a stone's throw north of here. It's an ILS building just south of Velp on military. If you go by there, you'll see it on the left-hand side as you're going north. Just a, just a wonderful building, but it's going to need some work. So it's a little overwhelming because, because we're paying cash for that building. I say we, not the church, Teen Challenge, is its own nonprofit. I'm on the board there, so that's, that's what I say, this would say we. Teen Challenge has its own nonprofit. So the church isn't buying the building, so don't stone me after, after service today. But it needs some work. It needs a sprinkler system. It needs furniture, etc. It looks impossible. It's a lot. But that day we walked the building and we stood on the sidewalk discussing to make an offer. We were all in agreement to make an offer. On paper, it's scary, but we all felt the peace of God. The peace of God was present. And sometimes, a lot of times in my life, but sometimes in life you have to follow the peace of God when things don't make sense and trust that just maybe God might know what he's doing. If we waited for everything to make sense, we'd never have a building we waited for everything to make sense, we wouldn't have a food pantry right now. We, we wanted for everything to make sense, we would have never given out the backpacks last week. It just sometimes we have to trust that God's going to be God. We walk by faith, not by sight, the Word of God says. But it's, it can be scary. A year ago or so, maybe a couple years now, I don't remember which, but I was told that there was a building downtown that the city might possibly give away if somebody came in with a vision to help the city. I'm like, that's us to a, to a key, and I've had that happen before where people in the city has offered us buildings because of how we want to utilize it. So Kyla and I drove down to take a look. I'm thinking maybe this building could be the, the start of our dream center. You never know. Right downtown. But I remember looking at it and there was no peace. And I had a check in my spirit on that building, so I never pursued it any further. I, I knew it wouldn't work for what we needed it for, even though they might have given it to us. Free is my favorite word. Free building. What's wrong with you, pastor? But there was the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, no, hold tight. That's not it. And it could have, that's right, God's got something better. And it could be that there was something within that building that could have put us in over our head or repair. I didn't know that could have sunk us. I cannot tell you how important the voice of the Holy Spirit is to me. This is why I rarely make big decisions fast. I like to sleep on it, and I like to ask, because you got to get through the emotion. There's emotion that comes with big decisions as well, and, and so you, I, I, for me, I like to sleep on it and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What, what's, what should I do in this situation? And He will speak to me. Do I feel a check, or do I feel a peace? Sometimes, however, I have the check, and I ignore it anyway, or I'll let someone else talk me into it. And it usually doesn't end well when I do that. And I bet if I would ask, you wouldn't look so innocent out there. I bet you've done it too. You felt the check and you've proceeded anyway. 
I've ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit. Or you're talking to somebody, and this this happens to me a lot as well, and I'm right in the middle of a conversation, and I get this feeling in the pit of my stomach, this that that, uh, steel wool feeling to stop talking about what I'm talking about. I lose my peace. Maybe because what I'm about to say is gossip, and, and the Holy Spirit, you're getting ready to gossip. You better stop. Or maybe because I'm sharing information with somebody that will later, they'll later use that information to hurt me. And that's happened to me as well. That ever happened to you? You're talking midsection in a sentence and all of a sudden you feel this, oh man, I need to stop. I need to stop. That's the Holy Spirit trying to help you. And you can either follow that prompting or you can ignore it. This is our choice. And the closer you walk to God and the more you obey these promptings, the stronger these promptings will be and the easier it gets to discern the voice of God. But the further you walk from God and the more you ignore these promptings, the less you're going to feel them. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us about grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit was sent to help you, to help me. Do you know how many times after a message I'll get someone walk up to me and they'll say, Pastor, I felt like you were speaking directly to me today. You know who's talking to you? The Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit can use others to speak truth into your life. Trust me. I don't follow anyone around during the week looking for sermon material. I've got my own problems to deal with. (laughs) I mean, if you want me to, I suppose I could, but you know, that might be kind of awkward. Is that pastor over there behind that bush staring at me? I don't do that. But the amazing thing is, is I'll have two different people come up to me and they'll tell me how it impacted their life. And for one person, it was completely different than the other person. Only the Holy Spirit can do that because there's times I think that's not even my point. You took something completely out of that, but that's the Holy Spirit. Truth be told, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Don't amen that. It kind of reminds me, when it comes to sermon prep, it reminds me of this meme. It says, I thought my sermon would be good. It was okay. I thought my other sermon wasn't good, and everyone loved it. I have no idea what I'm doing. And that's the truth. There's sometimes I get up here and say, man, this is a home run message, and it just falls flat. And then those are times I would get up here and I say, Lord, just help me through this. I'd be lucky to get a single on this one. People come up, oh, that was the best one. And I'm just like, I really have no clue what I'm doing here, do I? <laughs> Amen. But another way the Holy Spirit helps us is through conviction. This is what I want to talk about. The word conviction translated from the Greek means to show one's fault or to convince. The Holy Spirit, I want to make this very clear, does not condemn us. Satan condemns us. So I'm going to show you the difference. Okay, you mess up, slip into sin, you hear this voice that says, ah, you did it again. I've heard people speak this out loud of themselves. You did it again. You're worthless. You're never going to get this right. That's condemnation. That's not from God. That's not God speaking. You're not listening to the voice of God there. Conviction is different. This is conviction right here. So when I mess up, the Holy Spirit comes to me. He says, Matt, what are you doing? You're a child of God, and child of God doesn't do things like that. You're acting a bit out of character right now. That's not who you are. You see the difference? One voice tears you down and attempts to get you to feel like a failure, causing you to quit. The other voice tries to gently direct you back onto the right 
path. The Holy Spirit helps us through conviction. Jesus said that his job is to convict us of three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now when we look at these, we always look at these in a negative lens. We don't like these. But these are not negative. I'm going to show you that. All three of these are good and they're for our benefit. Remember, he's the helper. Jesus then goes on to explain these three convictions in the following verses. Look at this. John chapter 16 and verse 8 again. It says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Okay, let me tell you why the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. Because if you don't believe you're a sinner, you'll never believe you need a Savior. See, you can't get saved. You can't get saved until you know that you need a Savior. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin to point us to the Savior. Not to condemn us, but to point us to the Savior. Remember what Jesus said in John 15 and verse 26. He says, but when the Helper comes, who I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. He will convict you of your need for a Savior. I remember when I got saved and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I remember the conviction I felt. Not condemnation, conviction. The conviction was the realization that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I need someone to deliver me from my sin. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to me in that moment, convicting me of my sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3 says, So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to lead us to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit convicting of sin is a good thing because it's the conviction that leads us to salvation and that reconciliation with God. The purpose of convicting of sin is so that you will have freedom. He wants you to be free. And only the Savior can do that. Jesus then explains the second conviction. He says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, you'll see me no longer. So Jesus then says he's, the Holy Spirit's going to convict of righteousness. Why? Because he's going to the Father. They won't see him anymore. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's telling them, guys, I'm not going to be here anymore. You're not going to see me anymore. You know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to be interceding for you. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to restore you to the Father. Right now, you can't have a relationship with God because of your sin. But I'm going to take your sin for you, once again, putting you in right standing before God. This is what righteousness means here. It means right standing before God. Remember, the word convict also means convince. The Holy Spirit's job is to convince you after you accept Christ as your Savior is to convince you of your right standing with God. And that's pretty incredible. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever questioned your standing with God? Have you ever, have you ever questioned that? I don't, I, I, I don't know. I've had people say to me, Pastor, I, I, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I've accepted Christ as my Savior. 
I've confessed him as my Lord, but I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm just such a sinner. If you've known what I've done, Pastor, I'm just such a sinner. And what I've seen is that these feelings can actually intensify as, as a person moves closer to death and they're not, they're not sure and they struggle with their, with their questioning. And Satan likes to come in and get us to question our standing with God, always making you feel like you're not good enough. Again, he does this through condemnation. He says things to us like, you know, I know you asked for forgiveness, but your sin is far too great. You're never going to be good enough to be accepted by God. And then we question, well, maybe that's right. Maybe I have done too much. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. He says, so you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. You received his spirit when he adopted you as his own children. When you were saved, now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm, this is... This is, the, this is the, help, the way the Holy Spirit helps. This is the, 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 conviction, the conviction here to affirm that we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit will work to convince you of your right standing with God. It's your choice to believe it or not. And then last, the conviction of judgment, verse 11 again, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus then tells us the Holy Spirit will convict of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, what does that mean? Well, who's the ruler of the world? Luke, uh, let, let's look at uh, what Jesus says in John chapter 12 and verse 31. It says, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of the world, will be cast out. John chapter 14, verse 30. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of the world approaches. Now watch this. He, remember the ruler of the world is Satan. We've clarified that. The world of the, the ruler of this world approaches, but Jesus says he has no power over me. The ruler understand this. The ruler of this world is Satan. But Jesus is Satan is saying that Satan is about to lose his authority. And when he rises from the tomb on that third day, he's going to make a public show of Satan and he's going to remove, he's going to take away all the authority he has. Jesus is through his death and resurrection going to dethrone the ruler of the world. Satan's authority is going to be stripped away. Now watch this. Let's put this all together now. This is exciting. This is what Jesus is telling us. The role of the Holy Spirit is. A lot of us run from the Holy Spirit. But man, I'm telling you, His work in our life is amazing. Number one, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is coming to convict you that you need a Savior. Once you accept the Savior, He now convicts you that you are in right standing with God. And now that you are in right standing with God, he will convict you. He will try to convince you that Satan has lost all authority. It's all been taken away and he no longer has authority over your life. He's lost all authority over your life. He's lost the authority over your family. Every chain and every stronghold in your life has been broken. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit to remind us, to convict us, to convince us of that truth. 
Because man, when we believe that, it changes everything for us. This is why Paul says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, then who could ever be against us? And then verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God speaks through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 16. And he says, I have created the blacksmith who fans the coals beneath the forge and makes the weapons of destruction. And I have created the armies that destroy. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. Satan has lost all authority over you. Not because of what you have done, but because of what he has done. The chains of bondage are broken and you are brand new in the eyes of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts. He tries to convince you who you are in Christ so you don't live a defeated life. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. That is who He is. He was sent to help you, to assist you as you walk through life and you can choose to accept his help, or you can reject it. The choice is yours. Again, this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but there's more. There's the gift, there's the baptism that we're going to talk about next time. I'm going to have uh, Dave, if you want to come on back up at this time and start to play. I'm going to close with this Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. It says, I will, it's God speaking, he says, I will. Forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. I will forgive your wickedness, and I will never again remember your sins. You see, so many of us are walking through bondage in life due to our own past sins and our own past failures. What I have found that forgiving myself has been much harder to do than to forgive other people. Sometimes forgiving ourselves for the things that we've done has, is one of the toughest things that you can do. And some of you in here this morning, I believe that that's true with you. you have to, you've had trouble forgiving yourself for some things that you've done in the past. You've allowed your past mistakes, you've allowed your past failures to define who you are. And you've believed the lie of the enemy that that's who you are. Ah, oh, no, you remember that? You did that. Remember that? That's, that's who you are over there. <laughs> and all along, God's saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't remember any of that. But we keep bringing it up like a broken record. The Word of God has told us that He has chosen not that he doesn't have the capability to remember it. He has chosen not to remember it. The stuff that you have done when you're in right standing with him, he chooses not to remember it. Your family will remember it. Your siblings, your friends, co-workers, they'll remember it. But you're not standing before them on the last day. So my question is, and I close with this, if... If you are in Christ, if you are a believer, and he has chosen not to remember it, then why continue to bring it up? Let the Holy Spirit do his work in you this morning and understand how much God loves you. 
Let it go. Bring it up no more. If you are in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1 says that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do His work and accept the truth that you are in right standing with God. And because you are in right standing with God, Satan has no authority over you. Don't believe his lies. Don't keep bringing up what God has forgotten. Allow the Holy Spirit to set you free from that voice of condemnation. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this word. Holy Spirit, I believe that you're moving on people right now in this place. We're all at a different spot in our life. We all have a different journey. We've all done different things. And so, Holy Spirit, this moment right now, I can't speak to everybody as individuals, but you can. And so I just ask for those that need the conviction that they need a Savior, that you would do that convicting right now. God, for those that need the conviction of righteousness, God, that you would help them to understand their standing, their right standing with you right now. And God, that you would just reveal to them how much you love them. All the stuff they've done, you remember it no more. So Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to them today. And God, for those, oh God, those that are struggling with the with the conviction of judgment, Lord, that you would help them see and to understand that the enemy no longer has a grip on them. Their family has been set free. Their life is going to be changed for the glory of God. Because Jesus of what you've done. And God, we thank you for that today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just pray for freedom in your people today, God. Freedom, set them free from the lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name, I'm going to have you keep your head bowed and your eyes closed.